Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the latest episode of the Brighton Rock podcast. It's all about threes because with me, Russell Guyver, I have three guests with me. It's Richard Holberton making a welcome return. Hello, Richard. Hey, Russ. Good to see you. And looking resplendent in your Albion regalia uh, to celebrate a win, uh, I suspect. Um, I'm also wearing colours today. I just felt in the mood for it. Still buzzing from what happened yesterday, which we'll get on to in a minute. Uh, we're also welcoming back, a uh, very warm welcome back to Andy Bass. How are you doing, Andy? Oh, exceptionally well. Exceptionally well. <laughs> Thought you might say that, given the circumstances. Yeah. And I also, to complete the, the three uh, three people with me, it's, of course, Peter Marsh. Hello, Peter. Hey, Russ. Excellent. It's been all about threes, hasn't it, guys? Because we have won three games at home in the league, one in each of the consecutive three seasons, uh, three years, 2019, 2020, and now we've got one win in 2021 as well. Um, it's also three in a row for Jose, losing at the Amex, that is. Um, wonderful to see. A couple of times with United, of course, and then this time with Spurs. He wasn't in charge last time we beat Spurs last season because that, of course, was Pochettino. But, you know, doesn't matter. Whoever. <laughs> um, so we are, of course, celebrating a fantastic win yesterday, aren't we? 1-0 versus Spurs. Um, a goal from Trossard as well. Uh, we did manage to hit the woodwork, but that wasn't him on this occasion for a change. <laughs> uh, we, but we hit it for, I think it's the 11th time this season. Um, not that it's technically is woodwork anyway, but you know we won't won't squabble over that. Um, how are we all feeling then? Who's going first? R- Richard, you're bubbling over with enthusiasm. I'm, I'm feeling very very elated. Um, I, I, yeah, I thought it was a very very good performance. Very good performance, right throughout the team. Um, pretty well controlled the game from the first minute to the last. I thought. Um, you could go through the whole team and pick them, pick them one by one, and everybody, everybody who played was made a contribution and was somewhere near the top of their individual games. I thought, and yeah. three or four were absolutely exceptional. Um, uh, McAllister, Gross, and Basuma. Well, three McAllister, Gross, and Basuma. I thought were absolutely outstanding. I thought, yeah. Yeah. and 
Trossard, I thought, had a good game, and Mopé had a good game as well, but nobody at all had a substandard game. Um, and, yeah, you know, this is this is Brighton, right? So when you get to half-time and you're 1-0 up, I suspect this is probably true for the three of you and probably most of your listeners as well, but part there's a part of your mind that's sitting there thinking there's bound to be a point in the second half when our level drops or their level improves or both and we're going to come under sustained pressure and we're going to be hanging on for grim death by it for a 1-0 win or we concede and, and draw or worse lose because let's face it we've been there before but that didn't happen and actually the more the second half wore on the less I thought it would happen actually um, mm. just seemed to have control of the game and had enough presentable chances to score more. Um, Connolly's Connolly's chance at the end being the most obvious example, but you know, two 0 or even three 0 wouldn't have flattered us, I don't think. Yeah, Andy, um, you go along with that, and and you were saying off air, there's nothing like beating sides like Tottenham. It's it's always very satisfying. Would you would you go along as as well as that? Would you go along with saying um, that we were the dominant force in this game and we deserve the win? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, yeah, and I, I think Richard pretty much said exactly what I was going to say. I mean, I agree with every word. Um, two or three nil would not have flattered us. Um, whilst Sanchez was forced into one good save and, and, and one other save in the, in the second half, you never got the feeling that we were under the cosh at all. Um, I think one of the, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but I think one of the interesting factors in this game was um, how well organised we were as a defence and um, and how we how, and how we basically kept Tottenham at bay and I think it's, it's a consistent thing that we've been doing in in a lot of recent games that you know sort of the way that we are trending now is that we're, we've stopped giving away stupid free kicks outside the box and stop giving away stupid goals, which means if we only do score one goal, that one goal might just be worth a little bit more than it was earlier on in the season. Um, but it really was an excellent performance. And again, I agree with Richard, you could go through that lineup and pretty much give top marks for everybody with A-plus stars for, you know, the, the, the handful at the top who really excelled and were, were just, you know, setting a new level for themselves, I think. It was a really good yeah. game. Yeah, it was. And, and we, we mentioned threes. Of course, that's three clean sheets as well um, in a row in the league anyway, um, which is obviously very encouraging. And the fact that you've just said one goal might be enough. Of course, that was the result with the Leeds game as well, 1-0. So it's proving uh, certainly there was this issue about whether we're scoring enough goals. And to some extent, that's certainly true. And we should have taken more of the type of chances that we have created. However, the issue is more the fact that we couldn't keep them out at the other end when we were scoring them. Um, so if we can get that balance right, I don't mind boring 1-0 wins all season. <laughs> if that's what, in terms of goal-scoring moments, um, I don't mind if it's boring in that respect. I do want us to carry on playing the way we are, um, style-wise. But um, it's it's all going very well, isn't it? And and Peter, would you would you go along with that as well? Yeah, actually, I was going to make very much a similar point to the one Andy just made, actually. I was going to say that our yeah, our goals are counting for something now, whereas before we were drawing one all or losing 2-1 and the goal was kind of irrelevant in the end. And I, I mean, obviously, anyone who's listened to this has said that I will know that I'm, I've been a little bit on the fence with Potter. I've kind of slightly, in one or two games, moved away, moved towards maybe it was the right thing for him to leave for 
my, my logic being that we either need to sign a striker or needed to change to a more pragmatic manager. And actually, Poss has done the latter in a sense. He's found the way to get to clean sheets. And that is obviously making a difference for us at the moment. We're, we're actually, you know, managing to dig in defensively. We were superb yesterday. I mean, I, I'll be honest, I was convinced we were going to concede late on because that's just the way we've been all season. But suddenly we seem to have got a lot more of a backbone now. We've dug in. We've also made made very minimal changes since the City game. I think we have we played, made one change in three games, and that was Basuma coming back for Bernard at, um, in the Fulham game. And while yeah. we still do have undoubted issues going forward, we need to take more chances. I mean, Connolly really should have scored his chance yesterday. Mope should have scored from that brilliant cross from March and he should have made more of the header there. There was still, you know, Grosh was very unlucky. We could have had a second, another one there as well. We, you know, if we're keeping clean sheets, you know, we have the ability to at least nick one and with Will Beck to come back and Lamptey obviously gives us something going forward as well. And Alana, I thought, did really well when he came on yesterday and held the ball up well and kind of showed his experience when coming on you know we have some quality to come back in as well and yeah things could actually look a lot better if we can we can solidify and it's he's I don't know how he's done it but he's managed to secure this offensive solidity without really losing anything going forward we're still looking quite dangerous going forward we're still attacking and whatever he's done fair play to him I mean yeah I'm really impressed and that result definitely kind of took me much more towards being he's the the long-term choice for Albion I think yeah, I mean, we to some degree we did still have the same issues, didn't we? Uh, as previous games, it was just um, it's always been on fine margins that we've not been able to get over the line in games, and this time we did, and the Leeds game we did. Game management, I guess, is certainly a part of that as well. We I think we've been handling that side of it better. Um, I just wanted to read actually an email from uh, a uh, listener to the show, a regular listener, Alan, who's been in touch before as well, but um, he actually sent this before. The Spurs game, it was in response to, I think, after the Fulham match. Um, but I think it's quite pertinent points. I think it's well well written. Um, he said, hi, Russell and guys, just wanted to get your opinion on what I see going forward and get things off my chest. He said, we created clear-cut chances. This is the Fulham game. And missed badly. The quick free kick, then flick by McAllister to Morpé. The second half was top class. We dominated the game, restricted Fulham to few plays in our final third. Same old problem is finishing. If we were a top six big team, we would be getting rave reviews because they would have slotted home one, two or three of those well-crafted chances and job done. In every game that, um, say, City play, they will either get a scare like the Fulham chance at the end um, uh, to concede the goal. I'm not saying that we have players at the same level as City, maybe one or two, possibly could get in their team but we have the right approach and have the young and developing squad we really need to stick with this I'm sure we will get through this season yes we will have underachieved but we are where we are we can then offload some of the dead dead wood and continue building with more quality and players and true potential that Potter can develop with regard to a new striker we have to be realistic there is no player on the market available right now that will guarantee slotting those chances away certainly at the price level and wage levels that we can afford I'm sure everyone is grateful for what TB has done and the money that he is investing, but it has business sense uh, um, and not just blind love uh, that he's coming with. If he ever wanted to sell the club, he would get a good return uh, on uh, also on player development, could realise massive profits, etc. Um, and he made some comments about the pundits being rather uh, biased against. I'll come on to that separately because I've got a, a quick snipe about pundits later. But th- those points he's made, I think, are pretty pertinent, I think, um, they still are an issue. I think until until we can regularly start winning, um, we always have to worry to some degree. But I think it was well worded, and obviously, yeah. You know, one one point he said is stick at it, and, and it'll come good. Well, 
So far, so good since he's written that. I really like, I really like the fact that um, McAllister seems to have decided that he's got the confidence to shoot now. He had three or four yesterday, and he was, you know, he was getting. He wasn't too far off a couple of times. There was one really good block from one, and you know, he yeah. seems happy. A lot of the yeah. time, we we just take too many touches, and you know, there's two. If that extra touch just means we get blocked off, or someone kind of can come in and intercept, but. Or, you know, when actually we have a better chance to shoot. But actually, last night, I thought McAllister showed a willingness when he had the chance to shoot. And, you know, I'm quite happy for him to do that. He's got quite a decent shot on him. And sometimes it's better than every time trying to work our way through the middle or get it out wide. Yeah, and yeah. I think, you know, the, the, the passing generally yesterday was very slick. The decision-making was very good. I can't really recall anybody overrunning the ball or giving it away through a heavy touch or making a poor pass in dangerous positions, which is kind of, been the sort of thing that's been our undoing in certain games. None of that, none of that happened yesterday. Um, and so, you know, it's a good email that you just read out, Russ. And I think you know, linked with your earlier point, but that you know, going into January without uh, Lamptey or Welbeck or Lalana for that sequence of games, you know, it's actually been a pretty good month. It's been a very good month in results terms. It's been achieved by people, you know, including big contributions from people that we might have regarded as kind of on the fringes of, of the starting 11 who've come into the starting 11 by choice or necessity. So, you know, Gross has been mentioned. Veltman, I think, has been really good through the month. Um, so, you know, that's really, really encouraging. And McAllister, obviously, I think it's been an absolute revelation in the last few games. I think we're starting to see the best of him now. And I know, yeah, Russ, you said you, you've been a long-standing fan of his and have been singing his praises, and we can start to see why now. I think he's been excellent. So all of that, Obviously, the three points from yesterday is the biggest thing, and the table has a much more agreeable look than it did a few weeks ago, but also the manner in which it was achieved. A lot of good things to take from that. Yeah. With, with on, the, on the subject of McAllister, I just think he's, he's, got, he's got the bite, he's got aggression, he's got grittiness, he's got know-how, he's, he's got a good mind, he sees the game, he reads the game well, he sees the passes. Um, in some respects, as uh, Kieran was saying just the other day, he's, he, he's sort of two or three steps ahead almost. Um, and it's a matter of almost reining it back in a little bit now in some of the stuff he's doing. Um, great through ball for, for Grosh for the goal, um, you know, to, to get him into position to cross, uh, cross over for Trossard, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, a bit more in a minute. Um, just to, to, to rein it back into to the um, pre-match, though, there were two surprises in terms of team news. One, an unchanged first eleven, <laughs> and we, I guess we could talk about the value of that as well now. Uh, the other surprise, of course, was that there was a place on the bench for a certain uh, Jose Izquierdo, um, which was a nice surprise to see. Um, in terms of the team, Andy, um, what did you make of it, the fact we started? Were, were you encouraged by the fact we were starting with a an unchanged team on such a rare occasion? And what did you make of of how we set about the game? Well, to, to be honest, it, it never actually occurred to me that it was the same team. I just thought, I looked at that team, I thought, yeah, I quite like it. And mostly because it's been functioning well. In you know, I thought I thought the Fulham game, I thought we played really well, just the finishing was abysmal. Um, but in terms of actual football, it's like, this is, this is really good stuff. It's way more ambitious than some of our... Yeah, relegation. You know, they're our relegation rivals, and they are still our relegation rivals. We, you know, we play a far more expansive and adventurous game than, than many of those those teams, and certainly get into more dangerous areas than those teams, uh, but are just far less productive. Um, I thought it was good, and yeah, it's, someone had to point out to me that Iskiere was on the bench, and um, 
I thought, well, good good for him. Um, it's it's nice to know that he's back. Nice to know that he's not been forgotten. Um, I also think that is a position where if Iskio, you know, if Jose's got his pace back, you know, certainly in in, in you know in a super sub capacity, could provide a temporary shot in the arm uh, to the team if required. I, I would have thought I wouldn't have. I wasn't expecting him to get on um, yesterday, but um, but I thought it was really yeah. good. And I think what struck me was the it was the the midfield three um, starting with which is the, uh, that, that trio: McAllister, Basuma, and Gross. And uh, you know, I've said on I think probably on this show and on on the Albion Rule that. That you know, I thought you know, Gross's time had, had come to an end. Mm. Um, I thought, yeah, with this new sort of young firebrandy sort of you know looks, we got Alzati, we got McAllister and Basuma, and like you know, the sort of time had gone for him. His rehabilitation by Potter in the last couple of last couple of months, it's just been extraordinary. He's for me, he's undroppable now, so he probably won't play on Wednesday, but. Um, <laughs> But it, that that was a freakishly good performance yesterday from him. Absolutely, the energy levels incredible, and I thought he was really good. But I think it's just working with those three. And I think one of the key factors is that a, I mean, you all three of you have just been eulogising about how good McAllister's been lately. But I think the key thing with McAllister is that he's now found out his best position on the pitch. And the re and you know before trying to find it out wide in the middle, up front. What's he meant to be? What's his job meant to be in the team? Is it meant to be like someone who scores screamers from the edge of the box, or or you know seeks out passes and all this sort of thing? And I thought in the Man City game, I thought he was exceptional. I thought he was really good. His passing and movement um, in the you know you know against one against the best team in the league at the moment. Was was exceptional, and he he did not look out of place on that pitch. And I think he's made I think his performances have made it easier for Potter to be more consistent with and with and with Gross just chipping in with these with these you know he's got his Pascal turns, his delivery his delivery is just the best in the team. It's you know I think that's still a weak spot for the team. Generally, I think we need to get better crosses and cut back passes in and he's the best player at doing it in the, in this team. But McAllister has now found that central role. Gross can play play off him. Basuma can just basically disrupt, pick up pieces, sweep, sweep around and then still progress forward, you know, take on the defensive role, but still sort of forward. And I just think I think that's the players have made it easier for Potter they, I, to to keep that consistency with, with the lineup. And now you're getting these little triads. So like McAllister, Gross and Basuma, then also like the, the Mope, McAllister, Trossard. Hmm. The unit is working. And, um, and then, you know, it's, you know, it's Webster, White, Dunn, Veltman at the moment. Uh, just sort of if those little groupings within the side are all working. And, um, and if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I think you know that is one of the reasons why um, he, one of the reasons why Potter didn't make changes, the changes that people were expecting in that Fulham game, 
was, be was because even though they kept missing chances, that front three kept creating them. And you was just thinking, well, it's kind of working. They, surely they're going to score one of these as it panned out. No, they weren't. But, <laughs> but, but I, could, I could see why he thought they might and, and why he wanted to continue yeah. with it, um, even if it was misguided in, in that particular instance. But um, I think we're getting somewhere to a consensus on what our, what our best team is at the moment. And I think that lineup is it. Um, and then, but there will be games where we need to change it around. But you can just swap out one or two pieces and you're not really going to lower the quality too much. Yeah. I've, I've been saying, yeah, it's about sort of this bigger picture, this, this larger scale squad arrangement, getting a bit people shaped in who, who we want in which sort of games. It, there's been a big plan hasn't there which I think is now getting focused down um it certainly seems that way um and yeah I mean we've got to keep chopping and changing certain aspects of the team because of the nature of it with the number of games coming in short periods um and maybe we change it because it's Liverpool um we're, we're thinking okay we want to focus the best team on the Burnley game maybe um but by and large and it, and say for example if we didn't have to play two games a week Richard would you stick with this format now particularly the midfield that Andy's alluded to but in fact the whole team would you stick with that if you could <laughs> I think I think I think I probably would yeah I mean you know it function when you see it functioning at its best or near its best as it did yesterday it's really hard to see a reason to change it and I know I know there and, and I'm, I'm almost surprised at being able to say that because because Lamptey, Lalana, Welbeck were, were not part of the game because they're injured um so it's actually nice to be able to say that, knowing that those three are still on the sidelines and, and there to come back at some point. I think, as you said, Russ, you know, two games a week is, is quite a tough ask um, for, mm -hmm. for, for the same starting 11 game in, game out. So people may need to be rested just to limit the game time a bit. Um, but other than that, I don't I don't think I would. And I would say, I think, you know, if you look at the subs that were made yesterday, thought they were good and effective and, and, and actually... Ben White, I think, is kind of, we haven't mentioned him yet, but he's quite key to, or was key to it yesterday because he's such a versatile player and can play in at least three different positions without disrupting the balance of the team, really. So yesterday he could take, he took Veltman off, put White in at right back and brought Burn in as, as, as another centre-back. So, hmm. and, and and White's obviously played in, played in midfield and played as a centre-back as well. So I don't think it would. I don't think I would, and I, you know, I, I share everybody else's delight at how how Gross has come come back into the kind of contribution and form that 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 he was in, you know, when he when he first joined. Yeah. Um, and they had they had the stats for him for yes, I could forget all the stats, but they had the stats for him for yesterday's game on the match of the day show in the evening, and it was it was fantastic. But even the bits you can remember, I mean, he provided the assist for the goal. We provided what should have been another assist for Connolly at the end. Uh, he hit the post himself. He provided the corner that Dunk nearly scored from with a header. Um, and he's just, he's such a smart player. He's sort of, you know, thinking person's footballer. He's always in the right place. He's very, very quick to work out where he needs to be and what the what the needs of the situation yeah. are. And just um, that kind of trio, him, Basuma and, and McAllister, just to seem to be building up an understanding. And that acts as a real glue for the for the rest of the team because because that understanding is so good now 
And Peter, it's a seriously good midfield we've got here now, haven't we? We absolutely bossed it against Spurs. Um, yes, they may, may have been off colour and they may have had a couple of players out, but the fact of the matter is our strength, it, by and large, has been the midfield, hasn't it, through the season? That's been the strong yeah, I think, I think um, the point that Basuma I would say has been our player of the year, although a, a, mention, a good mention for March as well. But I think Basuma has been the the ever present pretty much, barring the odd game and a, a couple of bands and a one or two one of the game he he didn't start. But other than that, he's been the ever present and been he's been superb this season. He's been the player that we thought he could be when he signed, um, but didn't quite you know do it consistently. Had the odd game like that. Um, but I was going to say, interesting, I think also what happens is we'll probably start going back to more kind of changing it around for different teams in the future. Because I think when, you know, if, when Lamptey's fit, undoubtedly they've got to have him in and around the team. They can't, I, I mean, it'd be harsh on Veltman at the moment to drop him. But if a team plays high up the pitch, I mean, Lamptey, you could argue his pace is massively, you know, a big bonus for that in terms of, you know, getting up and down and, you know, causing problems. And I, and I think, you know, the fact we haven't missed him is a testament to, to Veltman, who's been superb there. And actually, I think it's been brilliant every game he's played. He's looked really good. But Lamptey will offer that different option and that Veltman can be an option in central defence. And it, it, the midfield's going to be really interesting because Grosch moving back in there leaves a lot of players on the bench who aren't, who are, that, who are ideally that position. You know, Casido's obviously signed today now. Uh, Modere. Alzate proper wasn't even on the bench yesterday. Malumbi loaned out Sanders, They've, and then also further ahead, Jenks and um, and we're in the young in the you know the under twenty threes. There is some serious talent in the midfield coming through, and yeah, I don't know how they're going to keep them all happy, and whether we will have to sacrifice one of the youngsters in the end. You know, there's been talk of Malumbi leaving permanently at some point. Sanders maybe someone like that, but whether and obviously proper as well, or if we get the money that the offer, we can't refuse Basuma. But at some point, we're going to have to. Probably we can't keep all of these players happy for the long term because, yeah, it's they're all going to want to play and they all, you know, they all have their own ability. But you can't play everyone in the same team. Yeah, points well made, I think, and and, and I agree with what Andy said earlier about Grosh. He, he really has come back from the proverbial dead, and I, I was another one who, I wouldn't say completely wrote him off, but I did think his time was up um, most likely and would only have a bit part to play. And yet here he is a driving force amongst driving forces in the middle of our, our midfield. And, um, last season, I thought a player who only really contributed with his set pieces, which is why his stats yeah. were good. But this year, yeah. he, he played... And I really didn't see him as one of the midfield two either. It was not... He didn't. He wasn't mobile enough, in my opinion, to be to be able to do that. Or midfield yeah. But the way they interchange us, I mean, that, that, I mean, I know we talked about the goal briefly, but again, as with Leeds, it was an absolutely superb goal. Such a good move. Um, from the moment Dunkey nicked it off their guy, I think in the middle of the park, from the after clearing the corner, um, yeah, the interchange between Grosh and McAllister was was brilliant. Was it, was yeah. it... Sorry, go on, Andy. Yeah, well, I was just going to say. I mean, the I mean the the interplay was 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 the was the star player for you know from the entertainment hmm. value yesterday. Um, both like the the early chance that uh, that, that Gross. <laughs> Was very unlucky not to score, um, but but the goal was just was just fantastic. The hmm. pass from Gross to McAllister, McAllister's just the the, I mean, he just drilled it through. Gross was just totally on the same wavelength. The defense was nowhere; they had yeah. no idea what was going on. Just cutting back, and then Trossard, yeah, maybe because he didn't have to think, but all he had to do was just kick it straight. He did that, and it went in, and it was brilliant. And after after his recent travails in front of goal, 
I could be happier for Leo because I think he, I think he's he's like, rest of his contribution to the team has been pretty good, but hmm. but his, his finishing has just been you know totally hospital and uh, yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah. We talk about um, confidence in front of goal, and actually, you've talked about the drill pass there. That it, that is a symptom of confidence, isn't it? Yeah. To, to play it with that much purpose in an area where you overhit it, it goes out of play and you've got to get it right. Otherwise you look at full to have the confidence to do it. It shows that the confidence is building through the team. And for all the misses we have made, um, the, the winners in the two games, the Leeds and Spurs games were both really well-crafted goals. And they were the goals that looked to be coming from a team with confidence, I think. And it was great to see. And it was great to see Trossard score <laughs> for all his crossbar antics um, this season. Um, maybe that's the reason why the BBC rated him top. I wouldn't have quite had him top. I would have said probably Grosh and McAllister with Biss shortly behind and then Tross just behind that. But they went for Trossard 8.29 as their highest rated. Grosh 8.12, McAllister 8.01 and Dunk 7.74 and March 7.70, then Basuma 7.68. Um, I mean, they're all good ratings. So those are really high ratings. So I mean, that, that speaks volumes in its own right. But um, yeah, I don't think Trossard quite edged it for me, but it was it was great to see him get a goal, wasn't it? Um, he he probably needed that more than anyone else. Yeah, I think all things considered. Yeah, I mean, um, we know we know he's capable of it. You know, when he when he's confident, when he's at his best. You know, you look at the goals he scored. He scored a really good goal against Norwich and a really good goal against Liverpool in restart last mm. season. And that style of goal, where he's kind of you know coming into the box late and it's a first-time effort or or one touch and he's coming on, you know, the ball has the momentum to allow him to score that way. But um, I think he is a confidence player. And when, he's, when his confidence is high, he can do that kind of thing. So hopefully it stays high. Yeah, yeah. Um, another player I'd love to see get a goal and he really should have done uh, towards the end, of course, is Connolly with that chance. Again, a really well-crafted move. Quick on the uptake, um, quick snappy passing. Into Connolly, everything had gone well. Connolly had worked the position well. Um, you have to give credit to the defender, um, Alderville, wasn't it? I think blocked it. Um, I mean, that was a really good block from a defensive point of view. Excellent work from him. Connolly, you're willing it to go in, and obviously for our own nerves as well as for his, his own confidence uh, reasons. Um, could he have done better with that, or do we just have to give credit to the? To the defender, I, I I think he could have got it more in the corner, couldn't he? I guess. I think I he think could have both... lifted it, but you can understand why he thought it was just a tap in rather than. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, yeah, both. I mean, you cannot take credit away from Alderweireld for what was an exceptional bit of defending, but yeah, like he says, all yeah, if if either just as is. The way in all of these situations, actually, quite often you see it with, with, with when goalkeepers are in these one-on-ones. If you just dink it, you know, mm. just get it two or three feet off the ground, you're gonna, it's gonna go. You're just gonna go above that, you know, the defender's body, um, and he will know it. Um, I, it wasn't. It was just after he came on. It's a shame because it was a great move, which was actually started off by Conley, where he he held the ball up mm. really well. He got. You know, in my opinion, he got fouled, but the, but the referee was quite good at playing advantage and letting the game flow last night. I thought. Um, Do you think it came uh, too a couple of minutes too early? Maybe he needed a couple more minutes to warm up. 
Yeah, and then, you know, obviously McAllister's like bombing down. And then, like, you know, Gross, who, you know, who we have been talking about as this, like, you know, grand old dinosaur from the relics of black and white TV, is <laughs> bombing it down the wing. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. bombing it. He overtakes McAllister. McAllister waits, puts the pass in at just the right thing. And yes, he, you know, I really wish Aaron had scored it because, you know, he, I, I really like him. He's, but, you know, he's, he's, He's just not there yet. He's he's almost. You can see, yeah. you can you can see that, that it's possible for him to to, to get better um, because he gets into so many good positions and he did really well there. For him to like be on the floor and then get up, bomb it down to be in position to receive the ball was excellent. Yeah, he could have done better, but you know it was a great it was a great. Challenge by Alderweire, so six one half a dozen the other. We won the game, so we could be a bit generous. I think it was, it was interesting. <laughs> I thought the review on Sky after the game they were showing the run of of Grosh as compared to the tracking back of I think it was Bergwijn yeah. and yeah. The, the laziness of just not not tracking yeah. the runner. I mean, Grosh is, in all fairness to him, he's not. I'm sure he wouldn't say he's the fastest player on earth. You know, he's he's not the quickest, but he was you know putting every effort in to try and get us two up, and Bergwijn showed no interest in trying to track him back when he started ahead of him. And that, to me, is unforgivable in that sort of effort. And it actually was symptomatic of Tottenham's performance as a whole. They just didn't look that engaged and that interested. They weren't, we we went, we were in, you know, every tackle, we were in 100%, 100%, you know, kind of every time. And they just didn't look that committed and that bothered for whatever reason it was, whether they were, you know, just fed up after playing Tottenham Liverpool quite recently and also losing Kane or whatever. But they just did not look that committed for the second season in a row at the MX. I think... Yeah, I think uh, I- I think that's a good point. I was going to go to Richard, actually. Um, sorry, actually, Andy, if you wanted to come in on that. Though. Um, uh, Richard, go uh, Yeah, yeah. But it was, it was just to say that, yeah, we looked really up for it, didn't we? We really looked like we were committing to the tackles. We were um, playing a high tempo. I think one or two moments we dropped off. But apart from that, we were really up for it. And we were making the, those second balls drop to us. I think sometimes if you're, if you're, if you're a force of nature enough in the game, you will tend to force the bounce in your favour. Yeah. I think it seems yeah. to happen sometimes. I agree. And I mean you sort of, you make your own luck a little bit in those sort of situations by yeah. being being yeah. high energy, being sharp, denying them space, um, you know, being quick into the tackle and being quick to to pick up those loose balls. And we did that did that the entire game. Um yeah. And to go back to the earlier point, I mean I I you know the run that Gross made to set that chance up was fantastic. I mean there was a point not long ago where you expected him to be subbed at about 65 or 70 minutes. And I don't know whether that was to do with fatigue, but it did happen a lot. But to him still have, for him still to have the energy to put in that run in the 90th minute or nearly the 90th minute, it was, yeah, very creditable. So I think he's worked on, he must've worked on his fitness. Um, and, and to your earlier question, yes, I think, I think Connolly could have made more of it. I mean, it didn't come back to bite us, so I'm prepared to be a bit generous about it. But it was, you know, had it been one all, I would have been less generous. But um, <laughs> yeah. you mean. it was, it was, it was a sitter. Let's face it. Yeah, yeah, good block, but it was a sitter. Yeah, I felt more comfortable about the fact that I was trying to get a bet on him to be the next scorer, and they hadn't loaded him up onto the system for the uh, for the website I use um, at the time when that chance happened. So I would have had a bet on him by then if if they'd have been quicker off the mark themselves. So. Um, so I was, I was sneak, sneakily re, uh, relieved. Well, at least when the final whistle blew, as a result. But uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, Andy. Any other sort of takes from the from the game in general? I mean, what, well, what, what yeah, else do we I, need to look at there? Yeah, I think um, for me, 
like, and it's like, yeah, Spurs, I think, were a little bit dispirited and uh, they're certainly below par. But I think a lot of that was 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 down to how we defended. I thought it was really interesting. Um, like Spurs had one shot of notes in the first half and it was a pretty tame effort from outside the box that drifted several yards wide. And, and it... And, it, and obviously, even though we did have some anxiety levels as fans, because obviously, you know, we've, we've, we've seen this game before where we've thrown something away. But really, we kept them out of the box. I mean, the, you know, the, I can't pronounce guy, was it Vinicius? I can't. Vinicius, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, he, um, obviously, he forced a, a really good save from Sanchez. But again, shot from outside the box. The only real chance they had inside the box was the header. From the corner, which you know, Sanchez somewhat fortuitously saved, and um, but but we kept we kept them out, and we were and we we've just spent the last you know sort of half an hour or so talking about how great we were going forward and stuff, but all this was done on the back of a really solid defensive performance. We yeah. balanced, we did balance the two, and it was quite interesting noticing. Um, when Spurs were breaking forward, you the sort of it would almost go to the, like a back four sort of drift spread across that eighteen yard box, and then but then there would be like again like another back of three or something in in front. So who, whoever was bringing the ball forward for Spurs was looking at a lot of blue shirts and trying to find out you know. So when they're trying to decide well, what, what do I do with the ball, you know, which white shirt can I get it to? Then there wasn't really a lot of space for. Tottenham to to work in, and you know, and I, and I think there was one time that they, you know they're on an attack, and then like two minutes later they they're sort of almost passing the ball back to Larice because they just been we just forced them out, and it was just it was really disciplined, and you know, early on in the season, you know, I think we I think I think we've defended in open play very well for the most part of this season, but we have been let down by giving away sloppy but, but, but you know sloppy fouls outside the box where we just play into people's strengths and we can't defend set pieces we get punished very very um we get punished a lot in that in that fashion and and um and then just like the odd sort of brain freeze in the in, in the box uh where people just haven't picked up runners coming in for headers and and whatnot but this was noticeably different it was a you know the discipline and concentration levels of, of the defense, not just the, the back four or five, but the but the whole unit of the team was really good. And then they were able, and when they won, when when they inevitably won the ball back, they were able to have someone to take it out. The Sumer would pick it up and run with it. McAllister would pick it up and run with it. People were just picking the ball up and running it. March obviously does that. Veltman. To people were just picking the ball up. Webster, obviously, with his um, you know cavalry charges down the middle. Yeah, you know, just, yeah, really impressive, really impressive defensive um, discipline from from the from the team. Yeah, and I think and, and there's a lot of organisation and kind of team purpose behind that. In that, you know, the, whoever it is who's the first line of defence, whether that's Mope or Trossard pressing a defender or defensive midfield player when they first got it, they know that there is a, you know, a very organised setup taking shape behind them. 
And I think well, it looks as if they knew that yesterday. And, and I think that that gives them the confidence to, you know, press hard, maybe even gamble a little bit sometimes, knowing that there's a very organised setup behind them, that even if they they miss it or they get bypassed, well, it's not going to cost us. And I think, you know, yeah. the, the other point that has been mentioned, um, you know, Sanchez didn't have much to do yesterday, but he made, as, as you said, Andy, he made one, he made one good save. But the fact that he, you know, was able to pull that save off, having been almost a spectator for quite long periods of the game, I think is a is a really good yeah. sign because it means the concentration levels are high. Um, yeah, so well, I'm glad you chaps have mentioned Webster and Sanchez because I, I was going to quickly flag them up as well. I mean, Sanchez, I think what I liked about him is obviously there's the stuff about him claiming balls and bossing the box from uh, balls coming in from wide and from deep, um, but also. He's such a clean player, you know. He collects the ball well. There's there's no mess. There's no ambiguity to to anything. I'm, I'm, now he's going to make a cock up on Wednesday. It's an Anfield, isn't he? But uh, but no, I mean he he seems to collect the ball well. There was that that shot from range, um, central that he it was played with a bit of curve. He's expected to collect it, but the fact is he collected it without any spill at all. And you could tell the Spurs player, possibly even from the from the outset, was looking to see if there was going to be a spill on the ball for the, for his teammate to come in and ghost in and knock in the rebound. Um, but, you know, there, there was no danger. It didn't even feel like he might spill that out. He collected it well. And he's a very clean player. And Webster, it's been said by Andy Knott, a regular contributor to the show, um, he really loves Webster and he loves what he does in both respects as a defender. Um, but driving forwards, he's becoming more and more Lawrenson-esque by the by the day, there was one particular moment in that game on Sunday last night um, where he just drove forward. Incredible run. He seemed to go the whole distance. Uh, I thought he was going to go the whole way in and score at one point. It didn't look like anyone was going to stop him. He's going to get, get one this season. He's got to yeah. get this season. Yeah, because he, he's in the crossbar club, isn't he? Um, yeah. But he, yeah. <laughs> he's, So Trossard's um, broken free of that uh, that, that noose. And uh, let's see if um, Webster can too. Um Richard, I know you've got to go uh, around about now, haven't you? So, yeah, I mean, any, final, any final thoughts from you on the game um, in terms of yeah, positives or even negatives that we could take from that? There weren't there weren't many negatives, I know, but um, I any, any potential I, negatives? I can't think. I can't think of. I can't think of negatives. I really can't. Hmm. It, was, it was, you know, I felt, well, I felt, I felt, I felt watching it very similar to how I felt sitting in the stadium watching the last time we played Tottenham at home. You know, it just. It just felt like we were in control of the thing from from start to finish, and there was only going to be one winner. Um, yeah. And you know, I know we've said that before, and conceded a sloppy goal and drawn a game we should have won. But it just so yeah, very satisfying that you know that didn't happen yesterday. One goal ended up being enough, and I think yeah, everybody everybody emerges with credit from that game. Yeah. Well, one one other thing I wanted to flag up regarding the game was actually um, I, I was equal. I was irked and amused in equal measures by the general media coverage um, on, a, on a few matters, one of which you brought up yourself, actually, on the um, Seagulls Over London WhatsApp group, um, which was I don't know if you want me to quote it if you haven't got it to hand. But um, oh, yeah, it was yeah, in quote, quote the comments, away. Yeah, the comments section for The Guardian. You said um, disgruntled Spurs fan one. So we've been beaten and outplayed by the best and worst teams in the league in the space of three days. Disgruntled Spurs fan too. That's a bit harsh on Liverpool. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Which I thought was a brilliant comeback from uh, presumably one of their own. 
Um, yeah, I, I, no, I thought I thought it was very good. And I think if you if you look hard, there's a sort of compliment to us in there somewhere. But the other thing there that is, struck me reading yeah. the comments, reading the comments, was just how much. I mean, I don't know you, you know, it's hard to know whether this is representative of the fan base or not. But there was a lot of very negative anti-Mourinho comment from from Spurs fans, not just on the basis of yesterday's result, but you know what looked like long-standing gripes um, about yeah. the style of play, and you know. They, yeah. they were, they were, as Pete said, they were, you know, they were a step slow, at least a step, step slow compared with us yeah. yesterday. And they look, they look I mean, logic. I mean, I give us credit for that, but um, they didn't look up for it. Yeah. Spurs fans I've spoken to have said uh, they thought they were pants and they, they thought we deserved the win. That was pretty much all they said, quite magnanimous. Uh, we're hoping to get uh, some audio from Ollie. He might possibly send something in, which we might um, append to the end of this show. Um, I haven't got his views on, on the game yet, but um yeah, the media, I mean, one thing that did really irritate me, but it's uh, it was BBC Radio 5 Live's coverage of the game on their, I presume it must have been their post-match stuff, um, because it was up as a podcast today. Um, it basically said, it started quite well by saying Spurs fell without their cane, which I thought was quite amusing, um, at the Amex as Brighton finally won a home game. But then the rest of the report was, and the analysis was basically Spurs, 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 Spurs. And they actually didn't mention us again in the whole of the rest of the review on that particular radio item, which I thought was pretty pathetic, but not exactly groundbreaking, is it really, in news terms. Glenn Murray was quite was on the radio commentary I noticed he, there's a cutaway to him during the match um, showing him with the headphones on and so I actually took the liberty of recording which I realised I could do um, the through my Virgin TV box the actual commentary channel that you can get five live on the TV if you see what I mean so I recorded it and listened back to it uh, it was quite entertaining it's very good Glenn Murray um, one anecdote about him stumbling across the nudist beach by mistake while walking his dog, which I thought was <laughs> was quite quite hilarious. Um, and um, the other bit was his pronunciation of Morpe. Most most people, it is Morpe apparently. That's according to the man himself on an interview I saw. Um, people are coming up with all sorts of variations on the theme: Morpi, um, Maypie, Maypoi, whatever. He, he's come up with Mapai as his original. So at least he's come up with a new one and he's a bloody teammate as well, or at least he was until today. Um, but anyway, no, he's good value, Glenn, but it, the, the coverage by the media, quite frustrating, isn't it? But it's always really going to be the it. way though, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's literally, exactly. it's, it's all about, you know, and you know, if Tottenham had turned up and played to their ability, even without Kane last night, they would have won. It's a fact, you know, it's like, you know, as, as well as we could have played, if Tottenham had played, to their, you know, 100% of their ability, as, and we played yeah. to 100% of ours. They would have, they would have beaten us. And I think the story also about Tottenham isn't just about Kane. They've they won two and eight before they played us mm. before yeah. last night as well. So I mean, it's hardly exactly a Mourinho got yeah. quite quite annoyed in the coverage when saying it was like five defeats in 30. But they're obviously like like us drawing quite a lot of games. So yeah, I mean, uh, the timing of when we played them was good because yeah, they're they're falling out mm. of form. And um, obviously, it must be mentioned that Kane was missing, and Bale certainly hasn't pulled any any trees up has he yeah. but came missing um i am by the way drinking a celebratory ale as i was yesterday a nice bit of stout here it is um i've just realized what it's called it's so appropriate it's called karma oatmeal stout <laughs> karma for you mr kane for uh cheating us out of a result earlier in the season yeah. he was injured trying to do something similar wasn't he which meant he missed the match yeah. so i wanted to get that one in while i could and um, <laughs> have a celebratory drink but uh, 
Uh, it has to be said, with, with Kane, Tottenham have got two quite lucky wins against us and a and a 3-0 drubbing at the Amex. So, I mean, it's hardly like... Exactly. You know, that, he was in the we, team last time, And for he? all the fuss about him, you know, and obviously people do focus on that, we're still without Lamptey, we're still without, effectively, Lallana, who only came on for 20 minutes at the end, we're still without Welbeck. Players who probably definitely would have been involved in the 14, probably who came on, in Lallana's case, he was. You know, amongst others, ignoring the fact that his kid has been out for so long and would definitely be involved if he was at first season form. You know, so we've, we've had our, our fair share of injuries as well, which they ignore when, they, of course, they talk about Kane because, obviously, no one cares in the media that we're without, you know, Welbeck. But, you know, it's, it's not like we've got no injuries. We've actually got through January, I think was said earlier in the show, really impressively, considering the players we've had available. Yeah. I have to say... Yeah. Oh, yeah, just in in defence of one small part of the media, I just I, I thought that the coverage on match of the day two was very good. Um, yes, and yeah. they certainly gave us they certainly gave us all the the praise. They kind of acknowledged that Spurs weren't that great, but they kind of said, "Well, you know, that's their problem." Brighton did really well, and um, and when Mark Chapman sort of set Michael Richards up at the end to sort of try and. Uh, sort of talk about the negatives for Spurs. And he said, well, obviously I could talk about them, but but Brighton were really good. So why would I sort of like try and take away from them? And, and I just thought, blimey, I, you know, I can't, I can't remember <laughs> us getting such a good, such a good review on, good review on Match of the Day before. I mean, Eddie Howe was very uh, nice to us. I know we're not very nice to him, but, um, <laughs> but, but, but he had, he had nice words to say as well. And Mike Richards, uh, also, and I thought we, I thought we got did get due credit. Um, yeah, absolutely. That, Spurs, that is a fair Spurs, point. I mean, you know, if they want to go around and sulk, that's their problem. We had to go out and get some points because we needed mm. them, and we did it. Yeah, and he, yeah. and so far this season, teams like Winnipeg United were clearly out of form when they came to the MX, and we didn't take our, you know, we didn't beat them. We let silly goals in and conceded at the end and lost three two. So, you know, just because a big team's out of form doesn't mean that you know a moment of brilliance from you know Son or something like that couldn't have made a difference. You know, you're still always wary about that. And Vinicius would have been a really good goal if he if, if it hadn't been for the uh, yeah for Sanchez. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, we'll take a brief break there so we can let Richard get off, and we'll be back to just cover a few more items, mainly general football news, a little bit of transfer news for the Albion, and a couple of other bits in part two. Um, but Richard, for your part, thank you very much for joining us. Um, hope you enjoyed that, and. Uh, if it's half as much as you enjoyed the win yesterday, as you surely did, <laughs> then uh, that, that'll do for me. <laughs> no, it's always, it's always a pleasure joining you guys, especially when we've won. Yeah. Excellent. Good, good. Brilliant. Well, thanks for joining us and we'll see you soon. Cheers. Bye. So back to part two then. I have replenished stocks on the uh, on the beer front. I've now got a cake hole, <laughs> which I can shut. Um, it's a Black Forest Stout. And I have to say, this is magnificent. It's as good as the result was yesterday. Absolutely lovely. Cheers, boys. And cheers to everyone at home celebrating our first home league win of the season. I <laughs> love it. Well, um, we're going to get on to the a preview of the Liverpool game a little bit later on and some Albion transfer news and speculation, etc. Um, just to go through a couple of football bits of news uh, with you guys, Andy and Peter. Um, first of all, news that um, two concussion subs have been approved now for the EPL. Um, the idea is you can have up to two. If it's more than two, then, then you do have to just accept the fact that you're going down to 10 men. But 
it's taken a while to get this. It's the right decision, but it's taken a while to get to that, hasn't it, really? Um, I don't know what all the fuss was about. Just just bring it in and change it if yeah. you need to later, surely, surely. Um, racism has reared its ugly head again. There's been stuff all through the week. Um, the guy who racially abused Romaine Sawyers, or at least was accused of having done so, has been arrested. Um, hopefully other arrests will follow for the other perpetrators. It's just getting escalated beyond all control, isn't it? I think Paul Hayward, um, Albion fan and prominent sports writer, on his, I think it was him on Twitter who said, it's time to declare war on these people, you know, just to really clamp down. I think just chuck prison sentences out for any, anything that can be proved. Um, you just got to go hardcore. It's a bit like, um, certain to, to compare it with football, I think the analogy of just clamping down on any discrepancy, some, something that's bad within the game, um, over the top descent, for example, just pull out yellow cards on a grander scale. We're talking about the same thing here. Just, just nip it in the bud. It's, the social media companies do have to step up and take responsibility for this as well. If they can't be proved, then you're going to have to have a membership scheme where you sign in and your account is mm. approved based on really hardcore ID. And if anybody's using your account, someone grabs a phone and racially abuse someone using someone else's phone you're responsible for that. And if you're not, not going to take responsibility, you have to shop the person that is. It's got to come to this now, hasn't it? Because this is getting out of hand. Uh, I think also it, no place. it starts within the game as well, though, because at the moment, I think if, you, if you're found guilty of racist abuse during a game, you only get like a seven or eight game ban or something like that, which yeah. if you're starting to say, yes, you, obviously I do think it's right that people should go to prison for that sort of thing. But you should, if, if, you're, if you're calling for that sort of thing, surely you should be saying, you know, 20, 30 game bans, maybe players get sacked, whatever, you know, if, if they're found guilty, you know, something actually stopping, you know, something actually making a difference there as well within the game if you're, if you're going to start with it. So, yeah, even even if you force people to have to dismiss staff based on that, yeah. whether they want to or not, then then they're losing value on a player. Then they're going to ensure that those people do yeah. not commit that offence, if if that or or people related to the club. Something far far sturdier has to be done now at this point, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, Andy, would you go along with that as well? Um, I you know, I I certainly think people that indulge in um, blatantly racist behaviour on on uh, social media should should be punished and face some sort of consequence for it. Um, I think I think there is far too much tolerance. I'm not entirely sure about the the, the sort of idea that we should all be blue tick users of Twitter because, to be perfectly honest, uh, when you've got you know mainstream news mainstream media outlets pumping out what could be described as um, contentious opinions, I'll just put it in a mild fashion. Um, I think sort of really sort of chasing members of the public, if you're not going to tackle that, is slightly redundant in my view. Um, but mm. yeah, I, I, but, I, but I do think that um, these platforms tolerate an awful lot of, um, an awful lot of abuse that shouldn't be anywhere near it. But that said, you know, literally, you know, tens of millions of people will be using it and it's very difficult to police. Um, mm. It's just that when, you know, when people are, are highlighted, are highlighted, they should, you know, they should, they should be dealt with and uh, made to feel a consequence because people think it's a consequence reaction. And, you know, uh, it, it is, it is disgusting. It's very depressing. I mean, I, I use social media and I, 
I I like it, but there's an awful lot about it that is terrible. Um, so you know there there is a balancing act, there is a balancing act to be had um, there. But I think I think what I think the abuse that play. I mean, even if I feel that players done poorly in a game, I'm no, I'm not going to go on social media and personally hunt him down and give him. Abuse because I'm pretty sure if that guy had a bad game, he's probably pretty aware that he had a bad game as well. He's not feeling too great about it. Um, yeah. And it, and I just you know I do think people who do that are just are just awful people. I think and I think there's a societal element to it where I think we live in a, a sort of political environment where these views are tolerated. Um, and I think if we start making it the norm that they're not, then then that then that's a good thing, but I think how you, how you go about that, I think there's a debate to be had about the methods. Yeah, absolutely. And when when you look at issues around mental health, I was, I was listening to Alex Bruce. Obviously, he isn't a black guy, but he he, he was talking about how um, he's had to switch things off or try and not look at at um, social media at all after games. He wants to, he wants to get feedback and whatever, but. He was saying he was trying to avoid it on occasions because he'd have a bad game. Maybe he's made an individual error that's cost the team, or, or just the team in general's had a bad game. And you're down. He, he said you are down about it enough, and you want, you you, you just want to get over the game. And to so then if you do log on to social media, maybe you shouldn't, I guess, after a bad game. But if you do, then you're you know you're getting hammered by other people. It's you already know you've done badly, and that's without factoring in. The notion of racist abuse for other players of um, of fame origin, but uh, yeah, it's a crazy one. But it, it seems to be getting more and more frequent, which is the most disturbing element. Yeah, I, anyway, yeah, moving... I, I think it, I think it's right that you know if if the law permits a severe legal action against you know against, you know against yeah. perpetrators of it, you, you you pursue that because it's the it is the only way that you you actually put a stop to it, and then suddenly people. They think, well, I just tweeted this thing out. I didn't think I was going to have a consequence. Then, oh, well, actually, you're going to have a consequence. And then, yeah, that does make people think yeah. twice about what they're going to say. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's awful for those players. It's completely unacceptable. I think it's brilliant that the, you know, both the Premier League and the EFL are still taking a knee. Um, prior to prior to games, you know, these actions proved, you know, people say, why are they doing it? Well, I, you know. Have a look at Twitter this week. You'll see why they're still doing it. Yeah. Um, there's a whole range of reasons why they're doing it. It's not just yeah, because absolutely. of that. But um, if, for you to say this isn't necessary is pretty redundant, yeah. in my opinion. And anyone that says that, um, you know, their, their view is redundant, effectively, because they, they're not looking at the bigger picture. Yeah. Well, um, on a more positive note, um, had some good feedback from our last episode. Kira Maguire was on talking about Albion finances. Um the latest frustrating home draw with Fulham, which of course we've uh, already eradicated from the memory banks now after yesterday. Um, but thanks for all the feedback from listeners. Um, one, well, a listener, I think, but definitely member of Seagulls Over London, who on the Seagulls Over London WhatsApp group um, mentioned um, Swiss Ramble, who is the guy that Kieran uh, defers to and says is is the guru guy for the doyen, finance. The doyen indeed um and uh, she's referenced some stuff on twitter um that he's been putting up about the albion accounts he's gone into shitloads of details um it's worth checking out actually it's quite interesting if you don't follow him he's on twitter 
under I think it's just called the Swiss Ramble um, is his handle. But um, worth having a look at that. And thanks for Hannah for the contribution there. Uh, Premier League sustainability rankings have just come out, whatever that means. It's to do with green clubs, uh, so to speak, in the Premier League. Spurs are top, actually, with 21. Um, Brighton, Arsenal and Man United are joint second with 20. Man City on 19, Saints on 18. Those are all apparently good ratings. Um, so we're United? Well, yeah, I, I was wondering that- this. I- I haven't had time to look into what this all means, but they can't be, can they? There's anything remotely energy efficient or green about (laughs) Old Trafford, which is one of the most dilapidated venues. Yeah, which which ultimately means inefficiency of 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 energy source and everything, doesn't it? I mean, I I suppose it's quite well situated for local transport and the fact that it's the okay, it's not in Manchester City. Manchester City Centre, but it's you know, but it is in, it is in an urban area. So, but we all know that people literally travel yeah. thousands of miles to get to get there. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Seems I mean, Arsenal, Arsenal, I, I can understand, and obviously the Albion. But yeah, Spurs, that new, you know, we spent the best part of this show enjoying a laugh at their expense but that new stadium is magnificent and it's it's really well designed really well thought out and uh, yeah it is cracking a lot for their um, their high school and hopefully partly due to beating them we might have a chance of going there next season (laughs) all being well yeah well final part of the pod then just to talk about Albion transfer news first of all there's been some today we're recording this on transfer deadline day February the 1st and um, the, the window closes at 11 we're recording this at well it's, it's coming up for seven o'clock so four hours ago we're still waiting on the Diego Costa confirmation um we're not sure if that's uh, going to get done in time or not uh free agent of course it's an obvious one to go for surely um but there's been two bits of significant business, one in, one out, and then one other smaller bit of business to report. First of all, the outbound one, uh, Glenn Murray, he's gone to Forest. Surprise, surprise, getting the band back together continues in Forestville. Uh, we've got Chris Hewton, we've got um, Bongs there, isn't he, I think, yeah. as well as... He started uh, it all there. Of course. He was there in, yeah. a, he was there in advance. Yeah. yeah, that's true. He preempted it. Um, Knockout's there, now Murray's there as well. Um, he's I, as far as I understand it, he's actually left us officially, so yeah. that's on a permanent deal, but only to yeah. the end of the yeah. season, which is what his contract with us was anyway. So you know, uh, we won't go into too much detail because we're limited on time here. But it's a shame to see him go. Probably the right decision time wise, yeah. but he's been a fantastic servant for the club, hasn't he? Possibly our greatest striker ever, and one of our greatest players. Would you? It, would you it does that, feel guys? funny, doesn't it? Because I think he'll always be a little bit tainted with a lot of people, but the Palace. Palace incident, shall we say? And well, uh, we'll have uh, no yeah, swearing I mean, on here, Peter. In terms of actual, you know, contributions to the club, I mean, he was, you know, vital in our promotion from League One to the Championship. He was vital in our promotion for the Championship to the Premier League, and he was vital in keeping us up two years in a row. And even last season, he, he scored a vital goal at West Ham, which got us a draw and actually played a big part in that three-all draw. So. I mean, yeah, the guy, they, I've seen a few people say this today, the word legend is banded around an awful lot these days, but I don't think you can avoid it with Glenn Murray. He has been superb, and I think he's the best player to play for Albion in my time, up for, you know, as a, as a striker. You know, Zamora, yes, he, he's done it. He was brilliant for us when I was when I, when we were watching, but he was did it at a lower level. Murray is the only one who's, who's got the most goals in Premier League for us so far. I mean, yeah, he's yeah, he did, he's been amazing, and yeah, good luck to him at Forest. Well, Hope he does well he, there. 
Are you saying he's even better than Mark Farrington, Richard Tillman, <laughs> and um, and uh, Jurgen Lacardia? Yeah, even even <laughs> Billy Painter. <laughs> I have I have to say, when the acts you have to follow are Peter Ward and Bobby Samora, and you and mm. you climb up on that pedestal alongside those two guys, it's an incredible achievement. Yeah, and despite deciding for Palace in between. <laughs> I, you know that wasn't his fault. You know, to be honest. Mm. We deserved him. We deserved that because, you know, Poyet yeah. blew him off and he goes to Palace and does very well. So, yeah, so, you know, to be honest, I actually I actually kind of like that in a way because we deserved it. We should never have let him go in the first place. Poyet made a massive mistake. Um, Tony Bloom was very, you know, did what a good owner does. He deferred to his manager. The manager says, I don't want this player at that price and well and Tony says, Well, you pick the team. Okay, that's that's what we'll do. But for me, along with Lewis Dunk in the last, you know, sort of decade and a, and a bit, is he's been Mr. Brighton Hove Albion. Absolute legend. And yeah, Ward Samora and now mm. Murray goes up on the Mount Rushmore of Brighton Hove Albion strikers. Without without any shadow of a doubt, he would always be a Brighton Hove Albion player. It doesn't matter who, how many other teams he'll, he plays for, and what he achieves with those, he'll he's one of us, and he knows it as well. And it's great. Yeah, and I absolutely. Wish, I wish yeah. him all the best at Forest. I hope he I hope he gets a hat for the goals for him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's amazing absolutely. to think, given the slow start he had as well when he first came, first year and a half, two years, but he was injured so much, and he that got booed off by some idiots at Brentford as well, and that sort of thing, and kind of. You, oh, you, I remember you know, that game. Where he's yeah. come from, from since then, I think that was the, the beginning of Slade season, I think, or something. Um, hmm. And yeah, I mean, a year and a half later, he was top scorer of he got promotion. And I mean, to be fair, to go through all that and uh, yeah, to become the player, the legend he is at Albion is just amazing, really. I mean, absolutely. fair play to the guy. Yeah, absolutely. Here, here, completely agree. Round of applause, Mr. Murray, definitely. Yeah. What, what a player, what a player. And he's a great guy by all accounts, yeah. And he's doing the uh, the five hand, uh, the five fingered hand gesture. Yeah, we still don't have, know what that's about, do we? I don't think. Oh, we still don't know. Awesome. And we don't want to know. No, wait, probably wait, not. Keep... Wait, for it, wait for his autobiography to come out. <laughs> but, <laughs> but in COVID times, it, it certainly substitutes for a handshake, so. Yeah, you can have that with a glove on as well, a surgical yeah. glove maybe, and some, some anti-back. Well, yeah, I know. I know we're running on short time, short on time, but um, <laughs> when he scored his hundredth goal against Wolves, he hadn't done it for ages. He scored his one hundredth goal against Wolves, one hundredth goal for the Albion. And that's it. The yeah. hand came up, came back. To them. I, 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 I just went. I just went to AD. I said, oh, "He's done it. He's done it. He's, he's done it." The celebrations <laughs> back. He brought it back for that one goal. It was just like uh, it was a very happy moment. And he's. He's a top fella. He was good on Question of Sport that time. He's very good as a pundit. I think he's... Um, somebody said, um, when they're talking about him, he said, if um, he's not a glass half full, he's not a glass half empty guy. He's a glass smashed and it's flying at your face sort of guy. He's so <laughs> pessimistic or whatever that means. Um, but we, we salute you, sir. We hope you have a good career in punditry. I reckon that's the way to go. Don't want the stress of being a manager, that's for sure. And you can say Mapai all you want, Glenn. <laughs> You can call him who you want. Um, if he's half half the player you are, we'll be we'll be. Well, happy I, with given that given Mopé's um, temperament, I wouldn't recommend it to his face. <laughs> <laughs> no, probably not. No. <laughs> but just very quickly to round off, then a couple of signings that have come in. 
I'll, I'll take it chronologically. First of all, earlier on, we um, we signed a young Chelsea defender, Jack Wakeley. He's come on loan to the under-23 squad. So obviously, we've got a shortfall there, I assume, with everyone having been loaned out or injured. Um, so he's with us for the rest of this season. Apparently, Who would quite have a thought we'd young... have a centre-half shortage this season? <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> How do we manage to achieve that? But we have done. Um, so he's come in. So welcome to the club. We've been made with us just a short time, but we, we wish him well. Um, more significantly, we have had over the line confirmation of the long protracted signing of a certain Mr. Moises Casado. Um, he's finally agreed the deal. Uh, BBC are reporting four mil, um, but I think it's actually 4.5. We're not really sure for sure, but um, it's quite amusing actually on their, um, on their strap line for uh, the transfers. It says, one of the biggest signings of the day is Brighton bringing in Moises Carcedo from Ecuadorian top flight side, Independiente del Valle. The word on the street is they've paid four million for him, about the same as a mid-terrace in the lanes. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know who wrote that, but it's quite funny, isn't it? It sounds uh, like, I mean, given... Accurate, if he comes close to one, you know, to kind of fulfilling the potential that he, he allegedly has, four million is an absolute bargain, or four and a half million is an absolute bargain, yeah. I'd say. We, we could be talking Lamptey style kind yeah. of, and, and if it doesn't of pay off really in Premier League terms, that's you know basically nothing. I know it sounds it's, crazy. It's all, it's all upside, you know. Yeah. At that, that price, yeah. he looks. You know, you know, they all look great in the highlight reels. But what's interesting is that quite respected commentators on um, on Latin American football are very excited about it. And, you know, like the likes of Tim Vickery. I think there's some people yeah. on CBS in the States that, that keep a close eye on, on these players. And um, and the consensus is among the Latin American cognoscenti that we have got an absolute bargain and they can't believe that we've got him and no one else has. I mean, I know that Man United were definitely interested, but their interest cooled. But I suppose they just want more of a splashy signing. I don't know. Yeah, and it's um, yeah. the suggestion. He's, I know he's already played for... For Ecuador, which is pretty impressive at the age of like, 19, I think he is, or something like that, which yeah, so he's, that's really he's, encouraging. He's made four appearances. I spoke to Tim Vicker. I phoned up the World Football phone in at the time, and he said, no, it was supposed to be Man United. He was convinced he was going there. For some reason, United pulled out of that, or something happened. Um, but he, he, was, he was surprised that they did, because he thinks he's already being considered by Ecuador fans and media as their best player already. And he's only played, I think, four or five games uh, for the seniors. Whether that translates into work permit now rather than later, I don't know. But, well, it uh, sounds like he's staying. He's not, he's not um, yeah. heading out on loan. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so so I, I was just going to say that, actually. Um, it's sort of a little heads up for our friend Brian Owen from the Argus um, was reporting that Potter was saying, no, we, we don't want him to go out on loan, really. You know, he's a young guy. We want to get him. He's, you know, he hasn't played for a while. We want to get him up to speed. So I think he wants to familiarise himself, mm. A, with like the coaching staff and the teammates and just like make him a bright, not just ship him out. So he's like, he's here. Clearly he's some, he's a player that they, that we, we might not see until the last couple of games of the season. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah. A, lot, a lot will depend on how the rest of the season goes in a way. I yeah, because yeah, Potter this... said, you know, he's not coming to solve any problems we've got. And I think we've been talking about the midfield all all night. Um, he, you know, there's not a gaping hole there right now. But yeah. what what we have done is invested in someone that could be really special. Mm. And uh, we're going to look after him. 
make sure that he's happy with it, with everybody at the club, get him involved with the first team from the off, um, get him get him there playing, get him up to speed, and uh, yeah, and, we'll, and we'll see where it goes. And then, then that becomes mm. Graham Potter's problem as he's got to select the team. And also a combination, of course, with him and, and um, Mode, the Polish player, who seems to be really highly thought of in Poland as well. So, you know, kind of both yeah, very young, and, very yeah. talented. So, you know, it's, it's really encouraging the sort of players that, you know, and that's something I think probably is down to Potter. You know, he's shown a willingness to, to play players of, you know, whatever age they are, 19, 20. And so, you know, he, he them, he, people know if they come in and do well enough, he'll get their chance. Whereas yeah. as much as I love Chris Hewton, he didn't like, he, he did like his experienced players. He did like the kind mm. of the more experienced players, even if a, you know, a young player came in and did well, he'd probably then get maybe make way for the more experienced one where they were back. Whereas now they get their, you know, it's very much who deserves their shirt generally. I mean, the player, yeah, that, and... the player that sort of intrigues me at the moment is um, Karbognik, who mm. could be like, a Lamptey, but on the other side of the pitch. Um, and if we end up having, if we end up having two mm. quick fullbacks, like, you know, bookending each other, you know, obviously not Stop one, it, you minx. You're, you're teasing me now. <laughs> two not, of them. Not, 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 not one for right now. But, but yeah, I mean, like, yeah. you know, these, these Polish, the, you know, the two Polish players are, are very highly rated. Uh, we've heard a lot of nice things about them. Yeah. Um, and the positions they play, yeah, you know, they, you know they're, they're important positions. And you know, if we, you know, if we get a couple of hits on those guys, then that'll be that'll be amazing. I mean, there is a a sense of excitement now about how this planet is slowly coming together. It's not coming together quickly at all. You know, we yeah. we're still you know fall from bottom in the Premier League, so you know, long way to go yet, but. But you can you can see what they're trying to do. They're trying to make this team younger. They're trying to make it quicker. They're trying to make it more dynamic and a little bit more modern. You know, and when you look at you look at how teams like City play, how team, you know, teams like Liverpool are in you know in their pomp play, it is it's quick. It's you know it's intricate. It's technical. It's not lumping it up to the big number nine. Everyone goes, oh, we need another Glenn Murray. So Man City haven't needed a Glenn Murray for years and they've scored millions of goals, but that's because Aguero just taps them in from six inches out all the time. Yeah. Um, and that's ripped the team apart. Yeah, and that, is, that, million, I, million that million I think is the direction that we're, that we're trying to go in as a football club. Hmm. And long may it continue. And that's a great note to finish on. We, we would just say that um, we've got to go now because we're going to go on to the... Um, the post-match Zoom chat with Seagulls Over London. Peter and I are both members. Seagulls Over London, of course, being our sponsors. If you want any information about joining, it's www.seagullsoverlondon.com. Um, if you want to contact this show, Brighton Rockets, um, well, Twitter, at Brighton Rock Pod, or emailing brightonrockpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, Peter and I are going to just basically repeat what we've just said now on the uh, on the post match chat, no doubt. Um, we're, we're doing them. There's so many games. We're doing them in in sporadic bursts of sort of two or three games now because it's too many evenings spent otherwise. Uh, but it's great to catch up with uh, with people, and we'll all be in a happy mode, uh, really, at least for today and for tomorrow. And we can almost afford to lose the Liverpool game, can't we? Yeah, so it's pressure off now. Still rather not. Oh, it's yeah, pressure off now. Up yeah, it's yeah, it's a it's a game where it anything might we get can result. We, we've been very unlucky the last couple of times we've been there. Yeah, we have. I think we, we, yeah. we've deserved a result up there, and I think we're due one. So yeah. why not? Yeah, 
The only downside is they've they've come back from the rather ropey form they were on, which is a bit of a shame. But who knows? I mean, it's it's not that consistent yet, is it, for them? So who knows? We could catch them out. We'll see. In the meantime, that's it. So thank you very much for joining us again, Andy Bass. It's always a pleasure. Thank, thank you for you. coming on. Hope you've enjoyed yourself. Certainly have. As Talking about beating Spurs is always going to be one of my favourite things. Or drinking a stout as well. And I have to say, this K-Cold business is bloody lovely. Really recommend it. It's so nice. As was yesterday's win. So anyway, thank you to Andy. Thank you to Peter. Peter, stand or fall. Up the Albion. Cheers. Catch you guys later. Cheers. Thanks very much for listening to this latest episode of the podcast. As an appendix to it, we've also now got a clip from Ollie, the Tottenham fan who we've had on the show in the past. He's sent in a short audio clip giving his view on the game. Here it is. Hello, just to say I think that Brighton was so much better than Spurs. We looked very uninspired, devoid of ideas, and once Dombele came off, no technicians in our team. Love to have half of your teams. I think it'd improve ours. But all the best rest of the season, guys. Enjoy. So short and sweet and to the point, And you can't argue with that. On one final late bit of transfer news, uh, one further bit of business occurred after we finished recording the podcast in that Max Sanders, our young midfielder, has moved to Lincoln City on a permanent deal. Lincoln are a very progressive club under manager Michael Appleton. They're doing very well. They play a good brand of football and I think it's a good fit for him and we wish him all the best. Anyway, thanks again for listening to this podcast. Remember, if you can look us up on Apple, hit subscribe, hit the five-star reviews, all of that stuff can help us. But either way around, thanks for listening. And as we said before, stand or fall, up the Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.